0: Hello, hello, and welcome again to This Remote Life. I'm Irene, your host, and this is another episode where we interview an entrepreneur, solopreneur, freelancer, someone who is living this remote life. Dr. Rodden, and welcome to This Remote Life. And again, thank you for being here. You're welcome. It's such a pleasure and an honor. I'm. Um, I know you're the CEO of the Arizona Trauma Institute. So, how about you introduce the the institute and yourself a bit?
1: Um. So, Arizona Trauma Institute. We have a a corporate mission, and it's a little different than what, um. I think a lot of companies do. We we operate from a salutogenic point of view Mm -hmm. and our goal is to increase the level of compassion towards people that struggle with adversity toxic stress and trauma and to know how to help them transform their lives from pain and into a more optimal life and everything we do is is targeted towards that goal
0: I remember Um, from one of the trainings that this is not exactly the approach that most education institutes have.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's true, because most of the education, uh, particularly around the mental health world, like your master's level clinicians, which do the lion's share of mental health work, are trained in modalities and theories that support the status quo. In other words, they are there to support, those college programs are to support state licensure and and indirectly to support the pharmaceutical industrial complex and the insurance um, reimbursement process. Right. And quite often because of the pressures put on by the system of care itself, uh, a lot of people that have significant um, histories of disturbances and and challenges spend years in therapy, which is morally reprehensible. Um, of course, it should be should, they should be able to get stable, make improvements, and do that in a relatively short period of time. You know, we get horror stories. People have been in therapy for twenty years. Wow. And the, the number of diagnoses and the severity keeps increasing because the, the, the way the system is designed doesn't promote true healing. It promotes, let's get them back to status quo until the next crisis and then they can come back in and pay us again. And I just loathe that system. And for years, we have used a pseudogenic approach, which is a wellness approach. What do we need to do right now to help them have a small incremental gain and improve? And if you've, you know, if you've been through any of our trainings, you hear that message over and over and over again.
0: And of course, I have followed many of the trainings remotely. So Mm -hmm. thank you for having them online. Um,
1: We we have some exciting. Let me. I'm going to brag a little bit. Of course. That's okay. Um, One of the things we're in the process of doing, and you'll see it begin to populate over the next uh, half year, is we're beginning to have these trainings um, done by indigenous peoples in different countries. And so we are going to have some of these available for folks um, in Urdu, which is, you know, one of the primary languages of Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to have them available in Punjabi and tamal which are primary languages in india they're being you know we have people that are rebuilding taking our trainings and rebuilding them in um, chinese and spanish and uh, arabic and so uh, we have affiliates now in several different countries and they are in the process and our our goal is that by the end of 2025 to have not only all of our classes online but have them be the the particularly the clinically certification yeah. courses in um seven different languages
0: well that is definitely something to to brag about for sure what inspired you to go down that road
1: well we had a lot of people that wanted to take the trainings but couldn't afford the even the relatively modest rates that we charge um you know look at the economies of like malaysia yeah. or indonesia you know you're talking about for a training you're talking a, you know uh, a month's salary maybe more and so what I started doing was working with people in those countries to develop the skill set to to use the materials in the actual delivery of service, and then take the next step and be able to train those materials to their local people. So what it has done is allowed us to um, have people within their own country um, be able to deliver these trainings uh-huh. in their own language in their with their own you know kind of metaphors and stories, right and give them access to these at a reasonable price. And because they're done by other people in country. And we've set that up in kind of a bizarre way. We have no no business arrangement with these affiliates other than they pay an annual fee that is really ridiculously low for us to maintain them legally in legal status as an Uh affiliate. But we don't do any profit sharing. We don't, we just basically, again, our mission is to promote this All over the world, and to see the the way mental health services are provided change.
0: Do you see that? At least in the U.S. for now. Do you see? Actually, I
1: see the U.S. is the most retarded of the bunch. (laughs)
0: Okay. Why do you see that? Well,
1: well, because their all of their system is designed to support the pharmacy industry and to support the insurance industry. And not designed to support the individual client. You know, you let's be honest. If you're dealing with something serious like, a, a, you know, a history of trauma or, you know, a serious mental health disorder, and you are going to a therapist, and that therapist, because of the economic um, structure of the agency, has 80 or 100 clients, that's immoral. There, there's no way that that therapist can actually provide the kind of care the person needs. Um, and we also know, you know from lots of data that when you start exceeding 40 clients per therapist, you start diminishing the quality of care. And the attitude in the system is if we're pro- if we can document that we did something and we're not getting complaints, that's good enough. I'm not happy with that. I want people to actually have a transformational experience.
0: Right. And of course, it goes to the therapists themselves, right?
1: Sure. There's a lot of burnout because Mm. essentially the, the structure of the mental health system is creating moral wound after moral wound after moral wound because people have to set aside their ethics, their values, their human compassion to operate within that system.
0: Of course, of course. And um going to your teaching I mean you have taught in at Ottawa University you have you've had a wonderful career how is it delivering those seminars those courses remotely do you do you change something when you know it's going to be recorded and available online or is it just the same you as when you are <laughs> when you're not being recorded
1: I'm pretty blunt and pretty straightforward. And one of the real blessings that I have in this work is the people that I'm surrounded by are I guess calling them a zealots would be a little strong, but they're you've seen some of the trainings. Yeah. Everybody is really passionate about this idea. Oh, and absolutely. and so um, you know it's it's always funny I was do I did a training for a large group of 300 um, earlier uh, towards the middle of last week. And I was talking about this and, the, and got you know a lot of uh, commentary and a lot of emails from people saying, but we weren't taught this in school, you know oh yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I always say, well, that's because I'm teaching you how to help people heal. They're teaching you how to pay it past, you know, licensing exams and to operate in the system as it is.
0: Yeah, that, that that's true. I followed the courses after my master's in psychology and I could, it was a whole new world. I can, I can attest to that. And yeah. it, was, it was fantastic how it changed me and how it changed the way I, I was with clients. So. It absolutely, absolutely changes the way um, people approach the healing process, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, What about online therapy? What is your opinion about that?
1: Um, I'm kind of picky about um, online therapy. I think it's wonderful for maintenance. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's wonderful for people that are stable enough to do you know, uh, cognitive work um, without a lot of support. I find that it's, that there's not a lot of evidence that it's really great with uh, trauma clients that, and, and part of the reason for that is that the, the greater the level of trauma that somebody's experienced, the more relationally you have to inter- engage with them. And most therapy systems that are using um, video conferencing as a therapy avenue are efficiency-driven systems. They want to be efficient, and when you—that's a—that's the wrong focus to take when you're working with trauma clients, because what we know is that relationship, particularly a secure therapeutic attachment with the therapist is one of the primary needs to help people resolve trauma and i don't know a lot of people that can build that kind of connection through um yeah. video conferencing you could you can have some great conversations and you can do some you know like i said it's good for maintenance but um there's even some studies that talk about that the, the difference between talking to somebody in person your mirror neuron system activates And when, where you don't have that, or at least the same level of it through video conferencing. And so, you know, if you're trying to be relational and you're trying to connect with somebody and be able to attune to them, it's really difficult through a video conference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Uh, Do you, do you offer online therapy? yourself I mean do you offer therapy now or are you focused on the on the
1: institute (laughs) teaching? I I I have way too many commitments to take clients on these days. Okay. Uh, You know, I spend a lot of time in sessions, but it's as a consultant Mm -hmm. helping people develop their skills. So it's not, you know, they're primarily responsible for the client and I am responsible for helping the therapist become improved. Um but we also work with you know a number of large companies that have nothing to do with mental health um we have we've been working with a company to become trauma informed and trauma sensitive um and they're a 500 person construction company and we have some banks in in pakistan that want to pursue this as well so i mean the the idea that if we are compassionate and understand what's going on in somebody's, um, you know, what's biologically correct responses to stress uh-huh. and overwhelm, we can be more compassionate. We can be more ca- connecting. We can care. And I think the the real challenge is we have a world that that is continually minimizing or diminishing the opportunity to connect, and. And pushing towards efficiency. And I'll be really honest, efficiency in systems of care is the place where connection goes to die.
0: That is true. But it is a reality that healthcare and mental health care professionals have to deal with, right? And I I, I find it fantastic Mm. that you have corporate, the corporate world trying to be more trauma-informed.
1: Yeah pet food company, construction companies, right. um, banks. You know, I mean, um, because what they see is that, you know, almost almost every company we work with, one of their major problems is that they can't get their employees to be uh, engaged in the corporate vision. They can't, you know, they can't seem to get innovation. And the way the systems they have been set up for so long it kind of doesn't reward those things and so you know a trauma for a trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive environment is one that is always in always promoting growth always promoting improvement even incremental little gains are Mm -hmm. celebrated and I, I think what's happened is that we've we've kind of rounded the corner and we realized that Going into this century, the ways of running businesses is, that is so common and so popular with the ego-driven leadership crowd is okay. just going to fail more and more and more. And we have to revamp the way we do business, the way we do the way we educate people, the way we treat them in human services, and the way we treat them in you know our neighbors and our communities.
0: No, oh, for sure. And this is interesting. Do you think that this need to revamp and uh, rethink the approach of the corporate world has anything to do with the younger generation that's coming and has a completely different approach and view of what a career is and what the job is?
1: I think to some extent that's influenced it, but I think failure... Um is probably the biggest teacher and what we, what you, you see it's been like the last three years. You've, if you follow on LinkedIn at all, um, LinkedIn has been pushing um, a movement towards compassionate leadership, where you have leaders that are actually living the concepts that they are holding their employees accountable for. That's a wonderful change. And, Mm You know, it's so anti um, what is what is the st- status quo in, yeah. in almost all of Westernized culture.
0: So do you think we're approaching the end of hustle culture?
1: Oh, no. I think there's too much money in it for people to be willing to give it up easily. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I think this is something that we'll grapple with the next 25 years.
0: All right. Okay. So nothing, you you don't think something will, will change anytime soon.
1: Oh, I'm always believing things will change. That's how I get up every day. Okay. (laughs) But the reality is I also understand it's incremental changes. And a lot of times those occur at such a slow rate that you don't notice the changes. Um, yeah, You know, I, uh, I'll give you an example. When I first started talking about trauma and sentencing and trauma and the way we prosecute, um, particularly felony cases,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, 25 years ago, it was not very welcome. And now, 25 years later, incrementally, it's changed. And now judges will call and want to walk through a case. Um Please. Before, you know, if it particularly if it's complex around mental health issues and, you know, that kind of that humility was never in that system before.
0: Oh, that is interesting. So after 25 years or more of your work and your efforts and um, the ATI, do you see that a change is happening today when it comes to the approach and the way People outside the mental health field view mental health.
1: I don't know that it changes the way they view mental health, but it does change the way people we train see themselves. Okay, and um, that's been really interesting. We we have um, we have noticed that, particularly outside of Westernized culture, the salutogenic approach just makes sense to people and and it's really embraced you know we Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we uh we're in singapore last year and in the in the week we were there um, trained over 500 people and we have had um, just a lot of we've had done a lot of mentoring with those folks trying to apply this stuff and i'm i'm going to malaysia here in middle of july and and i'll be back in singapore too but you know looking at what who's registered for these trainings it looks like we're going to train upwards of 1200 people this trip in in singapore and malaysia and close to 300 in india so i mean you know um people it makes sense to them they know they get it they want to use it um and you know my team are all militant enough to say you know this is stand in the face of 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 the the reigning practice the traditional practice and kind of poke our tongues out at them because it, it, it takes somebody that's going to be revolutionary in order to create change and so even though we get criticized by well-established, long-term, uh, very system-ingrained psychologists, they can't really argue with us on the science because the science is really very good. Of course. And of course. they just don't like it because it makes them look like they're incompetent. And
0: well I won't say anything,
1: won't say anything about that, but um, <laughs> it, it is you know it is that we're basically calling them to account and we want them to do a better job and we want to see more transformation so and it, you know it's it's been a kind of a wonderful process um you know the we started with 3 people in Pakistan 4 years ago beginning to train them and mm-hmm. now we have um trained almost a thousand people in Pakistan and we have four different universities in Pakistan that are doing research on the application of pseudogenesis to mental health and human services. I mean, you know, it's, that's a huge impact in a relatively short period of time. So, you know, this is, um, we're just going to keep pushing for change in the system. So we do every day,
0: and it works.
1: Well, that's the fun part. If people actually do it, we're suggesting the yeah, people they work it, with get it better.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> It absolutely yeah. works. But all this process, all this effort, all this everything about your work and your contribution to, to the science and, and the people and society, does it take a toll on you?
1: It does. Uh, today is a good example. I had a f- I had my first meeting at six this morning, Ouch. and I finished my la- I finished my last meeting at eleven tonight. So, um, when you're, you know, you That's are eleven in- p.m. You yes.
0: Mean. Oh my. Okay.
1: So you're in Greece. Yeah. I've already talked to somebody in Scotland today, and somebody in London, and somebody in. Uh, california and now you so okay um Sorry. <laughs> and I, I will be um a little bit after we finish up i'll be talking to a group in peru and a group in chile uh and then a group in singapore a little bit later and a group in iran
0: wow okay how, how do you do it then <laughs> what's your secret
1: i love this stuff i live for it Um you know, I i am kind of, uh, I'm probably the number one zealot in this company. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I'm so unhappy with the way people are uh, marginalized and treated poorly and, you know, not really helped. You know, we, there's all this great science and what I run into over and over again is a a mental health system that just has this, just do the minimum amount we can. And um, I don't really like learning that stuff. And I, you know, I, I like to talk to people. I don't, I don't really care about science. And I find this, this hideous complacency towards learning the science. Uh, and what it, to me, what it means is that we have a tremendous number of people that are providing care that are really irrelevant they're so far outside of the science and they're doing what they've been doing for 20 years and and their clients are not improving to the level that they could yeah that's enough to get anybody up every day
0: what well, i would i wouldn't say you're anybody <laughs> but okay <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, how do you how do you balance your your life and your work, or are they intertwined? At this point, yeah.
1: At this point, there's be it'd be hard because these these principles um, you would find the same with any of my senior faculty. These principles are so much a part of the way we live that it's not something we do for work. It's just become who we who we are and you know and or who we aspire to be and you know we encourage each other and we support each other and yeah and we love each other and it's just um i've never worked uh, in any setting except this where you know you can have a knowledge that your coworkers have your back and and that they believe like you do and and they want the same things that you do
0: right a common cause right mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah yeah we awesome. somebody accused me says you really you, you don't have a business you have a cult <laughs> <laughs> and I said call it what you want if it creates change and and improves the quality of care people get then you call it whatever you like
0: yeah yeah it's, it's one of the good ones
1: yeah <laughs> so
0: all right. All right. So um if somebody wants to follow a training and to learn more about the institute and your work, where do they meet mm-hmm. you?
1: Well, I think my marketing people probably have us on all, all sorts of social media.
0: That's or they 12. can just
1: they can just go to our website and and uh you know, or they can <laughs> They can do a search for my name and pull up like 16 pages in Google. You know, it's it's or or any of our senior faculty. And so yeah, just do a search for Arizona Trauma Institute.
0: All right, and I will link the page and all the social media in the description sure. of the episode cuz I follow you on all of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you prob- you've seen me rant a number of times then because <laughs> My my folks love it when I get irritated and do a you know I record a little rant, Um, so.
0: I've loved each and every training. I'm not gonna lie; it's it has been revolutionary, in in every way that it can be. So, I personally can recommend it, and I don't even need to be recommending it. I mean, your work speaks for itself. So, there's that. Well, thank you. thank you thank you you for taking the time in your so busy day and so busy schedule um i want to apologize to you and everyone who's listening for fangirling so hard (laughs) i've been so nervous
1: (laughs) well i i hope that you enjoyed it
0: oh i did i did thank you so much
1: you're welcome